is our week in the Weege. Hello and welcome to Week in the Weege. I'm Natalie Crawford. And I'm Selena Jackson. This week in the Weege. After more than 10 years of negotiations, strikes and court rulings, Glasgow City Council has settled its equal pay dispute. We're joined live in the studio by Council Leader Susan Aiken. We'll be getting her thoughts on that and getting to know her a little bit better. Our political correspondent, Alan Smith, is also live from Westminster to explain the latest Brexit goings-on. It's a revolving door in this week's Week in the Weege. We've also got Ronnie Charters in the studio to talk all the latest football transfers. We do. So basically, you won't be hearing very much from me and Natalie this week. We have a lot of guests. We've got all that and so much more on this week's Week in the Weege. A very warm hello to you and welcome to... Week in the Wedge. I'm enjoying this Week in the Wedge, are you? Oh, aye. I'd have preferred it if it was Week in the Wedge. Aye, or a Week in Barbados. This is a Week in the Wedge. Selena Jackson. Natalie Crawford. How are you this week? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. Good. You manic were... as always? Yeah, absolutely manic. Good. I mean, how could it not be with all this Brexit carry on? I know. I think I managed to go a whole day over the weekend without talking about Brexit. That is amazing. That should go in the Guinness Book of World Records. But then I was talking to one of the producers about it yesterday and he was like, yeah, but you probably read about it on Facebook or on Twitter. And I was like, oh, okay. Alan will be with us later to talk about Brexit. He will, because we're sick of pretending to know what we're talking about with Brexit. So we'll hand you over to the man who does know what he's talking about. And we'll have Ronnie here about the sport too, because that's Mm -hmm. another thing we don't know what we're talking about. Why do we do this? It's a challenge. <laughs> Why? We're really just doing this to shine the spotlight on all the great people we work with. It's yeah, very altruistic of that's us. That's exactly it. We know it. We know what we're talking about, but we just want to make sure that they know what they're talking about. Well, with that being said, shall we get on with it? We shall. This is a week in the week. So, in a historic day for Glasgow City Council, we are joined here on Week in the Week by the leader, Susan Aiken. Susan, thank you so much for, for joining us on Week in the Week this week. Thank you for asking me. Very pleased to be here. So, before we kind of get started and, and get into the kind of nitty-gritty of it all, not that anything in Week in the Week ever qualifies as, as nitty-gritty nitty ever, um, I have a couple of quick-fire getting-to-know-you questions okay. for you. So there's five of them. Coke or iron brew? Oh, Coke. Burgers or pizza? Um, uh, pizza. Pizza, mm, yeah, good choice. Cats <laughs> or dogs? Uh, well, I always answer this question by saying both. I love both cats and dogs. Absolutely love them. I cannot pick. I have a cat um, and I love cats. But if I had the lifestyle to have a dog, I grew up having dogs. Um, and if I had the lifestyle, it wouldn't. I, I couldn't. In, in all fairness, have a dog just now. Um, but maybe in a few years' time, when my life's a bit less, less hectic, I would love to have a dog as well. So I will not pick and you, can't, you cannot make me. What's your cat's name? Loretta. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> sunshine or snow? Uh, sunshine. Sunshine. West End or East End? Well, South Side. South Side, of course. <laughs> <laughs> See... Clever, always on the ball. That's what we need from the leader of our council. So uh, we mentioned it in the headlines at the opening of of the show. It's it's a historic day for Glasgow. Obviously, this equal pay dispute, although it's only been in, in, in your council's hands for the last year or so, for these women, it's been going on for for the last 
decade. It so has, yes. Obviously, a great, a great day for them and a good result for you to deliver that for them. Yes, I'm very pleased, very relieved. It's it's been a really difficult journey, um, a very tough year. I think. Um, well, I know a lot of people said that we'd never do this. Um, you know, I've had my commitment to it called into question a few times, but you know, my commitment has never has never faltered on this. Really, um, we knew it was going to be difficult. I think at times it's been more difficult than I had anticipated, but um, we we've stuck it out, um, and and we've got to the right place and in actual fact I think we have a really good deal a really good agreement um, it's it's the right deal, it's, it's definitely a fair deal um, it had to be fair to the people of Glasgow as well, it had to be fair to the council taxpayers so we couldn't be in a position where you know it did have to be negotiated and it was negotiated hard on both sides um, I have to say that um, you know I give credit to the claimants representatives for, um, for, for sticking up for their uh, their clients and and uh, members, um, but I have to also have to give incredible credit to the the, the council staff who've worked on this. Um, the the team have been really put through the mill. They've been pushed to their limits in terms of some of the timescales that I set for them, um, and they have they have delivered, um, and we've delivered for for those women. And I think for a for a bigger principle as well. Um, historically, women's work has always been undervalued in relation to men's. So, you know, Glasgow City Council was very far from alone in doing that. That's been a an ingrained um, cultural systemic piece of discrimination, um, right? You know, in in workplaces um, that right across uh, the world, really. Um, but we uh, had to do the right thing and we have done it and i think we've we've taken a big step for for equality for for gender equality and for stating the the value and worth of women's work today um, as well as the specific job of of delivering justice for those individual claimants and a really busy day for you in and out of meetings can you give me a, a sense of of the the relief on, on both sides when you know that was rubber stamped and you could say that's it, it this is it it's, re- it's resolved um i think I think at least one person just burst into tears in the spot. Aww. I won't say who they were, but it, it wasn't me. I have to say, um, I'm uh, I'm I'm holding off a little bit on the celebrations yet. I'm conscious, you know, I still have to get this through the council yeah. um, and get agreement on that. But but yes, there is there is enormous relief, um, and we uh, we had originally hoped to have um, an agreement by the end of last year, and we were very close. Um, we uh, the the council had had made an offer, but the claimants. Um, um, representatives asked for a bit more time to consider that and we, we agreed to that we jointly agreed to take a little bit more time um, but it is now just you know um, very very soon into the new year we we have that commitment it's actually less than a year since we started the negotiations um, and within this calendar year well within this calendar year we will actually start paying out those settlements um, and that's that's the bit that we'll be um, we'll really be able to settle celebrate the, the, the delivery of um, the, the compensation that has been waited for for so long. Starting 2019 off in such a, a positive foot for the city of Glasgow and of course there's loads of other things coming up this year as well. We've got um, Euro 2019, that's the... Is, Athletics championship. That's right. Yeah, that's that's pretty soon. That's uh, that's um, only only a couple of months away. It's quite exciting. 
And is it is Celtic Connections coming to the city? This Celtic season? Connections starting tonight. Oh, in wow. fact, yes. Um, I'm I'm a huge Celtic Connections fan. I've been going to Celtic Connections um, for twenty years, um, spending far too much, especially when I was a student, putting my, my <laughs> you know sp- spending my rent on on going to gigs. But uh, I'm it's yes. I'm not I'm not going tonight. I'm missing the opening night because I've got another meeting on. But I've got tickets for for a few gigs lined up. Um, it's I mean. Who would have thought that um, a, a music festival in January in Glasgow yeah. would turn out to be <laughs> such a massive hit? Draw, yeah. um, but it's it really is one of the best in the world. I think we said there's as many tickets sold for Celtic Connections as there are for the Glastonbury Festival every year. That's um, a that's, phenomenal that's statistic. Yeah. And all, obviously, all that money getting ploughed back into Glasgow's economy as well. Back into is... the economy, back into um, quite a few boozers, I think. <laughs> uh, I'm not that I'm casting aspersions on the way that, that traditional music fans behave, but you know, I kind of am and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm well... one myself, so it, that's okay. <laughs> and I mean, it's not just the, the events and, and the gigs that will be happening in Glasgow this year. There's a lot going on around redevelopment, um, the site hill, and, and this lid on the M8, which I'm absolutely fascinated by. At, yeah, at the Mitchell it's, Library. It's very, it's a very exciting prospect. Um, that's not a done deal yet, but it is something that we would really like to do if we are able to do so. So we're looking at the feasibility of that just now. Um, it's something that's been done in in quite a few other places. It's it's not a new idea, um, and in actual fact, I I believe that the designs we have in Glasgow the um, are modelled on one that was done in Malaga, um, but there are. There are a whole number of cities that have the the kind of scar of an urban motorway through them um, that that had done to them what was what was done to Glasgow when um, you know big chunks of Anderston mm-hmm. and Charing Cross were knocked down to make way for the motorway um, and it's it you know looking back now uh, it wasn't a good decision and it's not been a good thing for for uh, the health of people in the city it's left um, you know Anderston and Finiston and and indeed the Mitchell Library disconnected from the city centre. It is, you know, it's it's not great, but particularly the the air pollution is an issue that needs to be tackled. So if we were able to do this, it would be a very big project, um, and and it would be a significant cost. But I'm very enthusiastic about it. I would like to do it um, if if we are able to. Um, and as I say, we've got officers looking at the feasibility of of that just now. But you're right. That's that's just one thing. There's a lot of work happening in the city just now. Um, what you know, the the sort of policy wonky term for it is public realm improvements or urban okay. realm improvements. <laughs> but really, what it means is making our streets and our neighbourhoods just much nicer places, um, much more attractive mm. places where people want to be, but also places that actually um, make the city's health better and, um, you know, actually contribute to our well-being um, as as citizens and as communities. Um, that's something that Glasgow didn't do well in the past. Um, and in Sight Hill, absolutely, we have built um, or are in the process of building a whole new neighbourhood. We've reclaimed and, and, um, and detoxified old industrial land. We're building new homes, but also a new primary school, a community campus, a new park um, the park should should be open this summer in fact um, and I think that'll be a real hit it'll be a real um, destination in Glasgow um, and will be new uh, people um, 
new homes available for people by the end of this year in Site Hill, really high quality houses. It's it's actually the biggest regeneration project in Europe wow. just now, Site Hill. So um, it's a really significant investment. And I think that's that we want to see more of that kind of thing happening in the city. Fab. So lots to look forward to this year in Glasgow then. I think it's fair to see. Absolutely. I think there's always lots to look forward to in Glasgow, but but 2019 is going to be um, an exciting year. A week in the week. Okay, so Brexit, it's been another crazy mental week. It has. I don't know what's been going on. I'm not entirely sure you know what's been going on, but I, I know, know a man who does know what's been going on. Mm-hmm. Our political correspondent, Alan Smith, has been at Westminster for us all week. He has. He's still there and he joins us now. Alan, how are you? Hello. Hello. I, w- I would like to say I'm okay, but I don't know how I am <laughs> after this week. I feel like this is what we always default to on Twitter. Anything we're like, what's going on with Brexit? Nobody knows, but at Political Alan yeah. S does. Alan so. knows. Alan. I don't even, well, I don't even know what day is just now. <laughs> it's it's just been it's just been yeah it's been a momentous week. You it know, has. it's been it's been hugely important, and, and there's been so much going on. But yeah, it's just it's just been it feels just very surreal this week just um you know i've been camped outside there's a, a right across the road from westminster there's what they call the college green mm-hmm. and then that's where all the media go uh, during any important time um, and just basically they just stay there and then they wait to speak to mps who are quite happy obviously to get in front of cameras and microphones and whatnot to do their interviews and give their thoughts on things so you just stand there and you just wait for all these mps to come across to speak to so we, we've been pretty much camped out there for 48 hours um so yeah it uh, it's been cold it's been uh, but it, it it's gone by very quickly it's been, it has been a big week yeah so t- talk us through briefly the the events of the week then because it started with the the vote on the withdrawal gre- agreement and then yeah. all of a sudden we were having this other vote yeah, well, Tuesday was the, the the big one for Theresa May's Brexit deal. This is the the vote that should have happened in December, but she knew she was going to get uh, defeated, so delayed it for a month. Uh, and guess what? She got defeated on uh, Tuesday in quite significant numbers as well. You know, a, a majority of over two hundred MPs voting against her deal, uh, which uh, you know it's a hugely significant number in the way that. You know, if perhaps it had only been you know a couple of dozen or or maybe up to up to even fifty MPs voted it down, then perhaps you you would think well there's maybe room if she just got a few more kind of extras out of the EU that perhaps those fifty would be swayed. But you know it's over two hundred MPs, mm-hmm. so it just shows the size of the challenge really that Theresa May has to find a deal that will get that many people on side. But because she lost by such a margin. Then Jeremy Corbyn immediately lodged this motion of no confidence in the government. And if that had succeeded, then basically the government has to move aside and you know, would be going to a point of general election. So that vote then took place on Wednesday. It gave MPs, a, a, you know, opposition MPs certainly a, a chance to kind of put the boot into Theresa May and the government, not just on Brexit, but perhaps other things that they've seen, you know, over, over welfare reforms or austerity or whatever. They all had the chance to have their say. They got to the vote 
on Wednesday night, which I think is last night. I don't know what day I'm yeah, on. Yeah, it was last night. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but the government won this time, so the numbers were in Theresa May's favour. The majority of just, just 19, but that's because everybody in Westminster voted along party lines. So all the Tories backed themselves, they backed Theresa May and the DUP, of course, they're in this kind of, you know, that supply arrangement with the, the, the UK government. They, they went along with that, so the majority of 19, but that's because the 10 DUP MPs voted uh, with Theresa May. If they'd gone the other way, then we would be looking at a general election just now. So, even though they don't believe in... Th- um, a lot of the Tories don't believe in Theresa May's deal. They do yeah. still believe in her as Prime Minister. Yeah, well, I think the biggest, the, the, the bigger fear for them is not perhaps what the Brexit deal or the No Deal Brexit or whatever type of Brexit has achieved. The biggest fear they would have is seeing Jeremy Corbyn in number ten because of his, you know, his policies and what he wants to do in terms of taxation and all this type of stuff. So the biggest fear for them would be seeing Jeremy Corbyn in number ten rather than whatever Theresa May gets in Brexit or what she doesn't get. Get with Brexit, so they all went with with party lines. So where does Jeremy Corbyn stand now? Because I'm very confused by his mm. position. He said he was going to push on with Brexit. Now is he calling for a halt to Brexit? I don't understand what he wants. You're not alone. There's a there's a <laughs> lot of people, and that that that's been their biggest problem in all of this. You know, they'll say they do have a position, but from the outside looking in, and, and perhaps you know, even speaking to a lot of people within the party, you know. They're the same, you know, Labour has hit its own split as well. There are so many uh, Labour MPs that want the second vote on the EU. Um, it was voted on at Labour conference as well that, you know, that has to be considered, you know, if... Oh, this, the people's vote. Yeah, the people's vote, the second EU referendum. So a vote on the whatever the deal is. Um, so, you know, like Labour, their delegates had voted in favour. That's what we should do if we can't get our kind of number one priority or, or, or whatever. But... You speak to people within Jeremy Corbyn's shadow cabinet and you put that question to them. You say, well, look, you've you've lost this motion of no confidence. That was your big thing. Push for the general election. That was your number one priority. It's not happening. Will you look at a people's vote now? And they say, well, we'll have to keep everything on the table. We need to exhaust all options first before they get to a point of backing the uh, people's vote, the second EU referendum. So it is, um, it's, it is very interesting to see you know after this no confidence vote that the the pre, you know that the attention's back on Jeremy Corbyn and what he'll do because Theresa May says her door is open to have talks with him about what he wants from Brexit mm-hmm. and not what they don't want from Brexit but what they want from Brexit to see if she can you know find a deal that they would potentially back but he says he's not even going to enter into discussions unless she can rule out a no deal Brexit but he's always stuck to the line that you know we have to respect the referendum Yeah. so it would seem that if there was a general election which there's not going to be just now that they would be you know based on they would be basically fighting a a manifesto that says you know we'll have to make sure that Brexit happens but we're going to do it our way and I mean in terms of what this means for Scotland I saw Nicola Sturgeon tweeting last night I think it was a I can't remember, it was a poll in a newspaper saying that now is the time that the SNP needs to be pushing for independence again because mm-hmm. the will of the Scottish people has been ignored. What does this mean for them going forward? Yeah, well, actually, I mean, that's the same line that she's given basically since the the, the, the Brexit result. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you might remember the morning of the result coming out and everybody's going, you know, the UK's voted to leave the EU. And 
Nicola Sturgeon on the steps of Butte House immediately was saying, well, we need to get ready for an independence referendum because mm. Scotland wanted to remain and now the UK is leaving. So, I mean, our position's never really changed on that. Her, you know, being a leader of the SNP, of course, the, the, the main objective is independence. It's what, what they're established for, is for Scottish independence. So I, th- I think in terms of where it leaves Scotland, you know, the SNP have set out their position. They want a second vote in the EU referendum. Um, they've also, in terms of if there is to be a deal with the EU, they want access to things like, you know, Europe's single market and customs union, which is something that, you know, the Brexiteers will have none of. So it's it's interesting just to see what can happen next in terms of the independence referendum. You know, I spoke to Nicola Sturgeon at the start of the year when she said, I'll set him a plan soon. <clears throat> this week, um, outside Westminster, um, yesterday she came down for a, it was a bit of a cameo appearance really at Westminster yesterday uh, and you know we were all quizzing her and, and she says you know she'll set out plans within weeks so it's gone from it's gone from you know all this it, this shortening of the time from soon now to weeks um, but there is that you know we, we, we still really don't know what's happening with Brexit and what the, the, what the outcome of all of this will be and she's always maintained that she'll set out plans as soon as we know what the outcome is going to be. So it, we could, despite saying she'll set out plans within weeks, we could be kept waiting, I think, until we get to the point of saying, right, OK, this is what's happening with plans for an independence referendum. Because through all of this, you know, the, the UK government having to, you know, sort out Brexit, I think the last thing they would kind of approve would be an independence referendum and have to fight that as well as trying to deal with Brexit. I mean, how much do you think this will bolster the SNP's case for independence? Because it seems as though, obviously, all we're seeing is divisions within the Conservatives, divisions within Labour. They don't seem to have a solid party line that everyone within their party is willing to follow and they can't even agree with themselves. But it seems as though the SNP are one of the few parties that have this strict party line that they're saying, no, we've always been completely opposed to Brexit. Scotland didn't vote for this. Mm -hmm. So how much do you think that that will impact their case going forward? Well, you see, uh, even though I'm not at Holyrood today, I mean, there are, you know, independence campaigners have gathered outside Holyrood today. Uh, Perhaps not in great numbers, but they've, you know, they've gathered because they say, well, look, we want independence, Mm -hmm. you know, because the UK isn't listening and the numbers have grown. We've seen demonstrations outside Holyrood in recent months on the back of all the EU negotiations and votes and every time they, they feel like Scotland's being ignored and the Scottish government has been, isn't, isn't being listened to, then that kind of feeling like, oh well, Scotland should just go alone because we're being ignored, that will continue to grow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even saw this week, you know, the likes of I think it was Boy George was even tweeting this week to say, <laughs> I want to move to Scotland. You know, on the back of all the the, the EU voting on on Tuesday and whatnot, so do you know there is this feeling like from from the outside that that Scotland seems to have its act together. It, it's very much you know the pro-European, pro-EU country. So the independence feeling will will just I feel continue to grow the more and more. You know, Nicola Sturgeon and the SNP can continue to put that argument out that we're being ignored here. Alan, go and catch your aeroplane. Come yeah. home, come back to Scotland. Put your you feet know, up. It's fine coming down to Westminster for a few days at time, but, you know, like boy George, I want to go to Scotland. <laughs> we'll be glad to have you back, yeah, Alan. Alan thank Smith, you. thank you so much. This is a week in the week. So on to sport now, and we're joined by our esteemed <laughs> sports reporter. 
Esteemed, esteemed. esteemed sports reporter Ronnie <laughs> Charters who's going to update us on everything that's happening in the world of Scottish football. Ronnie, how are you? I'm very well. How are you, Stu? Yeah, good, thanks. No one ever asks how we are. I know, I know. This If I sound a bit weird, this is because me and Ronnie are currently sharing one microphone. So Sorry, Marie. Like we're... <laughs> It's very intimate, it's lovely. Yeah, all, all the studios in the world and we're all crowding around one microphone. <laughs> so we had Andrew on last week oh, and did he, he yep, he Thanks for the invite. <laughs> you weren't here. No, no, you no, 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 um, Celtic, as we know, have signed three players already. We were just up at Brendan Rodgers, fresh off the presses. And he was telling us that there will be more ins and there will be more outs at right. Celtic. Fans are, after that old firm defeat, Celtic fans are livid. They're angry and they need signings. They have three already, but they don't have any signings like Jermaine Defoe and Stephen Davis of Rangers. So they have to try and up the ante, as it were. They've not done that already, in my personal opinion. They've made three signings. None of them of the hype of, of Defoe or Davis but Brendan Rodgers today adamant there will be more signings in Celtic fans shouldn't panic yet but also there'll be a lot of players leaving there's a lot of players on the fringe of Celtic that are, aren't getting really enough games they're still quite young so they could be pushed out on loan Lewis Morgan uh, is one that's definitely going to go out on loan Scott Allen there's a lot of inquiries about him today so you'll see ins and outs so Celtic definitely busy in terms of Rangers as we said Defoe and Davis will will make all the headlines outgoings at Rangers they were worried about Joe Worrell who is a Rangers defender at the moment on loan from Nottingham Forest um, Martin O'Neill the former Celtic boss just taken over there down south they were worried that the former Celtic boss could take one of Rangers players from them but Stephen Gerrard confirmed he's staying as well as that Ross McCrory's also staying reports he could go away to Dundee he's definitely staying Jordan Rossiter the Liverpudlian midfielder is set to go out on loan uh, Dundee again also in the hunt for him and he will Gerard confirmed that nothing concrete yet but he certainly will go out on loan so everything's a wee bit up in the air at the aye, minute then aye. we don't know what's happening but it's controlled chaos okay that sounds that like the perfect metaphor for, for Scottish for football, Scottish football. <laughs> yeah absolutely so oh I'll tell you oh. what is, I'll tell you what is <laughs> happening flamboyant. I'll tell you what is, oh. <laughs> I'll tell you what is happening Thursday night, a huge summit is happening in Perth. All managers of the Premiership teams okay. have been invited by the SFA to discuss the dreaded problem in Scottish football. Would you like to hazard what it is? Sectarianism. No. Referees. Toin, coin tossing. Coin tossing. <laughs> Toin tossing. <laughs> um, is that a new sport? <laughs> she got it. It's referees. The, the refereeing yeah. problem in Scotland. Huge controversy. Huge high profile mistakes of late John Beaton the referee had to get the police involved because fans were threatening oh, his life yeah. so all the managers will be meeting with the top chiefs of the SFA this evening or, or Thursday night shall I say and they will be discussing how they can improve refereeing in Scotland huge one to look out for and what what ha have the managers had to say about this up until now? Because obviously the SFA, the whole John Beaton thing, they come out and condemned it. Yep. The Referees Union came out and condemned it. But yep. I'm not really sure where the managers stand because obviously, depending on what side of Glasgow you fall on, either the referees are doing a great job or either they're doing 
a rubbish job and that seems to change week in and week out. It also depends on when you speak to the managers because we spoke to Stephen Gerrard after they'd won against St Mirren but Daniel Candace had been sent off wrongly and he said refereeing is, is a disgrace, it's got to be done. Next week he's like, oh, I'm on the side of the referees here, mm. I've got to do it. So, managers are sympathetic for the referees. The thing that all managers have said this week when discussing this summit is that referees should go full-time. Mm-hmm. They should right. be full-time referees Right now they're part-time They have another job And they, they referee part-time They say they should be full-time Which means they'll have more training More time to analyse games Less mistakes Which means better games And a better product for Scotland That's yeah. what they say Whether that'll happen And whether the SFA have the money for that I think that's what we discussed at this summit Do you think some of this comes from the issue as well? That obviously you're hearing managers giving Statements about referees Very often they're saying They don't agree with the calls that they're making But there's a very fine line dictating what they can and can't say and then when it becomes breaking rules and they'll get sanctions against the clubs obviously we've seen Steve Clark and Craig Levine get in a lot of trouble for mm-hmm. things that they've said because they've implied that referees have been biased oh, but heck. then other times they've not Selena we knowledge excuse that wow. excuse no, me I'm seriously impressed I'm seriously impressed watch out Ronnie I'm coming for your job <laughs> well um, it's available <laughs> <laughs> So Steve Clark you see right continue anyway <laughs> but no as I was saying you get some of these managers that will say or imply bias, then they'll get in trouble. But then other managers can come out and say, oh, they made a terrible call. They did this, they did that. They were wrong. And that's OK for them to say. But there seems to be a very fine line in terms of they're probably getting at the same point, but they're just saying it in a different way. Does that contribute to some of the problems? Craig Levine was the prime example. Craig Levine came out after the Rangers game and said they were playing against 14 men. They were playing against the linesman and against the referee as well. But in his post-match press conference said don't worry Neil Lennon said the exact same thing and didn't get prosecuted so I'll be fine but mm-hmm. it's bringing the game into disrepute it's a very fine line it's the line that the compliance officer it's her judgement she decides yes or no have you crossed that line have you brought the game into disrepute if you have then that's when you get sanctioned if not but there is no doubt that the biggest thing this season has been referees you look at all major games you look at VAR you look at goal line technology that's not the issue the issue is these referees are getting the big decisions wrong in the biggest games with the highest number of viewing figures for all the games. And it, it's something that has to be resolved. I applaud the SFA for coming together and making this summit happen for the first time ever. But there's got to be something done about it. So we'll see. You'll find out next week, Week of the Weeds. Oh, and there's, there's some games <laughs> this weekend. I forgot to tell you about that. <laughs> Scottish football is back Oh yeah, okay, because we've had this winter break We've had the winter break, it's been the shutdown They've all went off to their fancy de- uh, destinations Dubai, and locations Tenerife Tenerife, Dubai, Malaga and <laughs> So some one. teams so, were away partying St Mirren went to Plymouth <laughs> <laughs> You leave the buddies alone no, no. So, But we are back with Scottish Cup fourth round action this week Celtic Rangers, all the big hitters are in this round the first time so Celtic are hosting League 1 Airdrie at Celtic Park 5.15 on Saturday Rangers Friday night game I'm off to that one tomorrow night Central Park the top tier against the bottom tier Rangers against Cowdenbeath of League 2 what a huge shock that would be that's a chance for Jermaine Defoe and Steve Davis to come make their, their, their debut and their second debut in Davis's case for Rangers huge games love the Scottish Cup some big names against some smaller names we could get some big upsets and then the Premiership is back, but definitely this second half of the season is going to kick off with a bang this weekend. If you're not doing anything this weekend, it's going to be scunny. Get yourself off to a football game.
Quite right. And Sorted. I banged the desk in authority. <laughs> Ronnie Charters, thank you very thank much you. for joining us. I'm not us. ever doing it again, so thanks very much. Take care. <laughs> <laughs> Our week in the week. Okay, so Susan, before you go, would you play our game Wayne and the Weech? Uh, okay, I'll give it a go. <laughs> it's really, really simple. What we do is we give you... So Selena and I play this every week, back and forward, and I always lose because I'm absolutely rubbish. Um, <laughs> we give you three clues, um, headlines from a particular year. Okay. Now you have to try and figure out what the year is. Okay. Um, so if you get it right on, on the first clue, you get three points, two, and then... One. We keep a running tally, but as the as the guest this week, I think you should get a go. Okay, go for it. So your first headline is Glasgow Commonwealth Games venue named Emirates Arena. Right. So the Commonwealth Games were two thousand and fourteen. Mm-hmm. So that must have been I a, a year, couple of years before. Let's say two thousand and thirteen. No. Ah, was it earlier than two thousand and twelve? Is 2012. You yeah. got it right in the first clue. <laughs> Do you know, I, if, I I may be wrong in saying this, but I purposely picked clues from the year that you were elected. I should, have, I should have worked that out. I thought yeah. maybe um, you might not have been paying so much attention to the news that year. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you were, that might have thrown you off a little bit because you were too I th- busy. I think I remember elected. the paper coming to committee actually, but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm terrible for, for the passage of time. I'm really bad for something that I think happened, you know, two years ago. It turns out it was actually 15 years ago. Um, so that it is a challenge. Well, your other two clues would have been um, Glasgow skyline changes as red row flats are demolished. That happened in 2012 as well. And Olympic football kicked off at, at Hamden. Of course, it was an Olympic year. That's right. Yes. Yes. Oh, and because Hamden is in my ward, is in my yep. council ward. So I remember that one very well. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us on, on Week in the Weed. It's been an absolute pleasure, especially on, on such a busy day for you. Uh, well, I'm uh, delighted to have been here. Thank you for asking me. A week in the week. I don't think we should have her back. She's too good at that game. I know. I'm, I'm not happy about that. I'm only kidding, Susan. You're welcome back anytime. That was lovely. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming in. It was very interesting, actually, to yeah. get to chat to her and, you know, get a wee bit more of an informal situation yeah, as well. We're that so nice. used to speaking to her in such, you know, formal circumstances when these big stories break. So it's so yeah. nice to be able to, you know, get to know her a wee bit better and for you guys to get to know her as well. But, like, it's been a revolving door today. It has. It we've it's been great. We should do this every week. We've hardly done anything. We've just it's, sat It's here. been a bit manic, but yeah. it's been good. It has been absolutely brilliant. And now we bring you this big mammoth episode of Week in the Weed. <laughs> it's like twice as long as normal, but hopefully you've stuck with us to the end and it has all been worth it. A Week in the Weed is a Radio Clyde News production. For the latest around the clock, follow on Twitter at Radio Clyde News. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Week in the Weech. Thank you to our guests, Glasgow City Council leader Susan Aiken, our political correspondent Alan Smith, our sports reporter Ronnie Charters, and to you for sticking with us through this 40-minute episode. <laughs> and before you go, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, subscribe on iTunes, and we'll see you next time on Week in the Weech. Bye! Bye.